I'm Kelsey Ryder. I'm Natalia Raymond. And this is Angelinos in Training, a podcast for people curious about Los Angeles by people who live in Los Angeles. So whether you're moving here, new to the area, or just want to better understand LA, we're here to help you navigate the city of angels. Hello, and welcome back to Angelinos in Training. Thank you for listening to another episode. We're doing another guest episode. Woohoo! Yay! Yes, we know people in Los Angeles. Besides each other. Besides each other. We're not each other's only friends. <laughs> Our guest this week is someone I've known for uh, over a decade now. Someone I went to college with. Someone who is a multi-hyphenate, an actor, a producer, a writer, an all-around talented and amazing person. This week, we have Yasmin Gassiri. Aww. Welcome, Yasmin. Hi. Oh, my gosh. That was so sweet. <laughs> I can't believe it's been a decade. Yeah, my name is Yasmin. My pronouns are they, them. And um, yeah, and I know Kelsey through Natalia. Yes. Yes. We met through a sketch that Natalia wrote that I did the voiceover for, and you directed the sketch. We met on the phone, actually, and then finally in person. I don't remember exactly, probably Natalia's birthday party. Yeah, I think that's why I don't remember exactly when I met you, because we didn't meet, like, face-to-face in any capacity, virtual or actual. (laughs) And then we met, and I feel like we connected really well over the phone, just uh, working on the voiceover, which was really cool. Totally. It was like, oh, the chemistry is there. We've already known each other. Wait, how do we know each other? Okay, we do know each other. We're friends. All right. There we go. But yeah, so we've been friends and known each other, I think, about three years now, which is still kind of nuts to think about. Maybe two and a half. Something. Uh, time has yeah, no it might be. I know <laughs> this. It's like it was March two weeks ago. Right. Yeah, I think it's probably been like two and a half, three ish, because it will be this March will be four years that I've been in L.A. Oh, OK. So then you're a year behind Natalia and I. Mm-hmm. Just about. It'll be five years for me this upcoming March. Not that it makes a huge difference. It's not like it's not like there was a pandemic between that year. Can you imagine <laughs> people who just moved here? And then I can't even imagine. I can't. Yeah, we're so stoked. Thank you for agreeing to be on on our podcast. Like Natalia said, I'm in the industry and I've done a lot of stuff. So I always knew I was going to move up here. But I actually moved up here because of a breakup. And really? I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't planning on moving when I did, and then the breakup happened, and I was like, within a month I moved to L.A., I found a place, and I came up here. Now, if it weren't for the breakup, would you have moved here? Yeah, eventually I definitely would have moved here being an actor— because I'm so I'm originally from Orange County, uh, like Natalia, to give people kind of a perspective. So it feels like you're really close to L.A. when you're like an hour and a half drive. Even though I have to say, I feel like every year that drive got longer and longer, not like emotionally speaking, but it literally started taking longer to get to L.A. But it's like you feel so close to the industry. So a big part is like, well, I don't have to pay for rents. My parents lived in Switzerland for three years, my last year of college and like two years after. So I lived with my brother. I wasn't under parental supervision and I still didn't have to pay rent, which was great. So the idea of me like commuting and I wasn't auditioning a ton, but it did make auditions really awful because it was like, I have to drive like a round trip of three hours for like two minutes in a room. 
So I had been commuting for a while. I did a two-year acting program after I graduated college, and I was going up for some acting stuff anyway. And I commuted from South Orange County to Santa Monica, and I was taking other classes. At one point, I was driving up four times a week, which was madness. I don't know how people do the commute during rush <laughs> how, hour. How long was the commute for you? Yeah. Um, so I left on off hours, uh, so I never rush hour, but it was still like about an hour and a half. During the week, I would actually go to my, my my singing teacher, went to the same college as us, so I would take lessons with her, and she would come down once a week for all her college students, and we all graduated the same year. And so I would go to Hollywood first, which was like an hour and 15, and then go to my like 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock class in Santa Monica because there was no way I was going to leave at 5 o'clock to get there. Like, it's absurd. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Part of me always felt like, you know— this weird – I don't know if Natalia felt this way. I know other out in Orange County people did. But I'm like – I was, like, afraid of L.A. I remember. <laughs> I remember you saying at one point, like, I'm not going to move to L.A. <laughs> like, I want to commute. <laughs> I, I truly – I did not like L.A. Like, coming up here, like, I like I don't really like crowds or traffic uh, or tall buildings. So New York is definitely never going to be an option for me unless I book something. Um, And luckily, only downtown L.A., which I hate with a passion, uh, has tall buildings. But it just was dirty and congested. And my first experience of L.A. was going to, like, a really shady area of Hollywood at night (laughs) for classes. Yeah. And I'm from the part of Orange County where you're like, oh, my God, there's a crack in the sidewalk. Oh, Lord, clutch the pearls. (laughs) That's so fascinating for me to hear that, like, you did not like L.A. And you're like, I'm never moving to L.A. because that's not that's not what I would imagine you saying how I know you now. (laughs) I know. I feel like there was a thing in the sense of, like, I didn't I knew I would eventually move to L.A. Like, I would have to for the industry. And being here really has made a big difference in that regard. But, yeah, I just seriously like I didn't even like the concept of billboards and then. I finally moved and now and like literally even though I had been coming to LA for a couple of years I was like oh my god there's a billboard oh my god a movie set it's so exciting <laughs> and I could not be happier with the fact I moved to LA I'm really grateful I had such a horrible breakup that it pushed me to move here just cuz I think the timing of everything and I have just I've truly really loved moving to LA like when people shit on LA I get so defensive now because I really yeah. <laughs> have loved it. Um, But I do think I got lucky in the people I met. I think having talked to other people who ended up leaving LA, I think that's a big factor in it. Um, And I also didn't realize how much I really needed the the gay community here. Like I always wanted it, but like really getting into it was just such an amazing experience. There's so many things about why I'm so happy I moved to LA and why I'm here. Um, but yeah, no, I did not want to move here at first. Yeah. Now, what what were the main reasons why you didn't want to move to L.A.? I would say that, uh, I mean, I assumed it was like dirty and gross, which there definitely are areas. We're told like horror stories in Orange County about how like you you drive through like a neighborhood that's like really rich. And then the next block, it's like it's super dangerous, which is not not true, but it's not like that extreme. You know, it's not like a jump cut to yeah. like a like a totally different neighborhood. <laughs> um, I have asthma, so honestly, the idea of like the polluted air, like I had to change my um, my asthma regimen when I really? moved here. Mm. Um, and now I'm used to it, but I'm also on different medication. Yeah, because it is that bad. But I also 
did yeah. used to live right next to the 10 freeway. And the closer you are to a freeway, the worse the air quality is. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Parking sucks. And it's just like every time I would drive in L.A., I would get so anxious. And like L.A. might have some of the worst. I think personally the worst drivers in the world are in Newport Beach. But like L.A. comes in like a very close <laughs> second. <laughs> Natalia knows. Those people are terrible. Yeah, they are. Um <laughs> Everyone talks about how expensive it is as well, which, I mean, to be honest, I don't really think compared to, like, most big cities is actually that bad. Um, mm-hmm. But, of course, it's everyone figuring out what their means are and trying to find a job. So I think there was a lot of things I assumed that L.A. was going to be like, and I got little slices of the worst parts of L.A. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's like anywhere, like when you travel somewhere new, especially if it's a very different type of terrain. Luckily, my dad can drive stick shift because whenever we would like rent a car, ask for automatic and get a stick shift in Europe. And we were like in Prague. And that was like the most insane driving I've seen in my life (laughs) with all the one way streets (laughs) left. I swear we're going to die like four times. You know, that's exactly how I felt about L.A. when I first moved here. And now I can like put on a podcast and relax. It felt like moving to, like, a completely different country, almost, compared to Orange County. It's like a different planet, honestly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. it's And I think it's really hard for people who don't live here and haven't experienced both to totally understand that. Because it's like, well, they're right next to each other. But it truly <laughs> is so, so different. And it's amazing yeah. how, like, a couple of miles... The the culture, the uh, the visual architecture like everything is so completely different between like orange county irvine Mm -hmm. and los angeles what what would you say are the main differences between orange county and los angeles so definitely i would say if going from a visual perspective orange county is mostly suburbs and you have like some industry stuff it's wide it's you know, that's like, and I think I've never been to the East Coast, so I'm not, I'm sure someone's going to get mad with me talking about this. But a lot of people, I think, <laughs> like to think of Jersey as the suburbs of like New York, right? Mm-hmm. Like parts of it. I don't think you can say that about Orange County to LA because the culture is so different. Politically speaking, and like I say that from not just like Republican, Democrat, a lot of people view my existence as a political statement. (laughs) Being gay, being non-binary, wearing men's clothes, cutting off my hair. And in LA, it's like really nice because, and it could be my introverted self-loving it, is like you're kind of invisible in a way where you're just another human In Orange County, I remember, and this is back when I had long hair, so it was maybe even more confusing. I was going to a show with some college friends to, I'm sure many people have heard the Orange County Performing Arts Center. There's another theater attached called the Seegerstrom, and I was going there for something. And this woman just like, like was staring at me, so confused by who I was as a person. And, you know, I went to Catholic high school, which just was an experience in itself, but I was in the theater program there and then being in the drama program and just being in college and being in a college environment, you're in like a little liberal bubble where people just accept you and celebrate you. And I remember it was my senior year, my like spring quarter, I was almost done with college and I was designing, I was was line designing like a ton of stuff. And I got off early. I was like, I picked up like dinner to actually have with my family. My parents were in town and stuff and I got out. And these two guys got out of the car and they were like the quintessential 50-year-old white men who just played golf. Mm. Like that's exactly how they were dressed. And I had this really weird moment of this is where I live. 
I don't get to stay in drama liberal bubble anymore. I have mm-hmm. to exist in this world. Yeah. Like we literally lived five minutes from this mega church called Saddleback Church, and they—I mean—they're massive. They were a huge contributor to Prop Eight, yeah, which was to you know ban gay marriage again when it was already legal. And I think there's just something. There was a little gay area. We did have a gay area. It wasn't close. <laughs> And also, like, it was basically you either went to theater out to watch a show or you went clubbing. And here I feel like I can just be me and walk around. And there's so many different types of people. Like, Orange County is is very white, uh, especially in the area I was from. Not the area I was from. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But, and, but the thing is, is to test that, I feel like it, it's weirdly segregated in a way, right? It's like, because mm-hmm. I'm half Persian and there's a really big Persian population in Irvine, we didn't live near them, so we weren't by mm-hmm. the Persian population because, like, Westminster, you have a huge Vietnamese population. But in L.A., it's like you walk down the street and you can see so many different types of people. I mean, we're so homogenous to an extent that one time I was actually with the ex, but we went to the post office and there's this woman. And it was kind of busy. It was around Christmas. And she was literally like. I just want to know if you sell normal stamps. I'm Jewish. I don't want Christmas stamps. I'm just trying to find regular stamps. That's how hard it is to be a minority in Orange County. If you're Jewish, (laughs) you cannot find non-Christmas stamps. Because I met people from out of state that were like, where are you from? I'm like, Orange County. They're like, oh, so you're basically from L.A. I'm like, no, not even close. That must have been so much more hurtful to have still been within, well, because your college wasn't super, super far from your home, right? Like you see Irvine. No, it's like a 30, 40 minute drive. So you're kind of in the same hometown area and to like just step on campus and then to go back to different experiences in your hometown being like confronted with the fact that you stick out there, but you fit in within, you know, your college community. That must have been really difficult to be like oh i grew up here and did it make did it change how you saw like orange county having being able to go to college and be yourself and be and like have people embrace you just exactly as you are well being a gay non-binary half persian white passing individual i have never felt like i fit into orange county i'm also atheist and i've never really mm-hmm. believed in a god since i was a child and that's a big thing like i literally I had friends who moved to a different street, and when they found out my dad is Muslim, like, their new friends pressured them into not letting their children hang out with me. That's so shitty. (laughs) Yeah. I've always felt like I didn't fit in here, but I think what college did for me was that normalness of Orange County became shocking. Like, I remember I was, like, with my ex in Orange County. They're not even from—they're from Washington, but— her brother was like his birthday, but he was he said something that was very much like, oh, well, you know, that's how little boys are. Yeah. And like even his guy friend didn't want to like jump on board with it. But it, it was just to this like weird, shocking moment of like, oh, the gender binary. What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like this is a thing people believe in. So I, I think yeah. that that's the downside of like being in a liberal bubble because I, you know, I went through Catholic school. That was very like I knew what I was getting into and going into college. I don't necessarily think I thought it was that much like a like liberal on the scale of compared to Orange County, but then to see actual gendering heteronormative things happen so casually in conversation, I found really weird, especially because I actually was spending more time with LA people 
at that point, even though I lived in Orange County and worked in Orange County. I would have classes up there so in L.A. So my friends were from L.A. and I would spend weekends up there and stuff like that. So I think it made Orange County even more like undesirable. So it's kind of weird because I feel like, oh, my family's here. It's free rent. I'm comfortable here. I know people here, but at the same time, it's I don't belong here where L.A., I think there was a sense of belonging, but I think there was a rejection of some of the things I wasn't used to. Now, what what helped you transition to life in L.A.? Like what what did you become involved in? How did you meet people? Things like that. So I think I kind of got a little bit of like a cheat because I was so close. I actually had a bunch of friends in L.A. When I had mm-hmm. college friends like you who already lived up yeah. here. And then I had my acting classes. So I actually had a little bit of a community already, which helped in the beginning. But what I did mm-hmm. is I got to the point where I was ready to go on dating apps. And <laughs> apparently it might only be a lesbian thing, but apparently we can go out on dates and decide to be friends after and that's actually how I ended up meeting a huge group of lesbians. I was so involved in the community. Um, by that, I, mean, I went to the club a lot and knew everybody. Mm-hmm. And so I, I met someone who really wanted to get a group of friends together and brought us together. And through that, I found who my close people were. Mm-hmm. And currently now, a lot of my close friends are still my college friends and people through my new acting studio. Because mm-hmm. I think it can be... lesbian friendship dynamics are are tricky (laughs) it's wonderful when you have like a group that finally knows you because i think everybody wants to like wants the l word they want the l word experience because most Mm -hmm. of us watching the l word literally don't know another lesbian (laughs) my one lesbian friend was in san diego (laughs) so (laughs) but it gets tricky when people have a lot of baggage from being in the closet for a long time and sometimes you're friends with people just because you're gay which isn't a good enough Mm -hmm. reason and I've gotten lucky because I I think it's okay to learn to filter out people and learn, hey, you're only friends with people when you do this activity versus that activity. Um, Mm -hmm. Because, like, when I broke my leg, like, uh, almost two years ago, like, I really learned who my my real friends were. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, so it's been a combination of things like that. And now I have a good mix of, like, friends who happen to be gay and other friends who weren't gay and, you know. Mm Mm-hmm. When when you were going out a lot with that group of friends, where would you go out mostly? Oh, the Abbey. The Abbey. So the Abbey, I'm sure everyone's heard of. They bought the building next door. And it's called Chapel, and they would have a girls' night on Wednesdays. Oh, fun. So we would go out to the lesbian night. And funnily enough, when I first moved to L.A., there was so much more stuff happening. And I don't mean, obviously, like before the pandemic. But a bunch of people were trying to do lesbian nights. There's like... A bunch of different events to go to. And over that summer, there were so many daytime events, which I felt was the best way to meet people was at daytime events. And then the next year, they didn't have them. And then, like, the world, you know. So I don't know what happened, why people stopped trying to, like, invest in a lesbian community. But when I came Mm -hmm. here, and, like, that could be a thing now. I've really disconnected from the scene after I broke my leg because I just couldn't go out. And then I just... I'm too old yeah. for that now to go out that much. <laughs> um, so that was really awesome. And hopefully, you know, when the pandemic is over, that will be something people will try to pick up the mantle for again. Yeah, definitely. So you live in West Hollywood now. 
And did you specifically seek it out because it's known as a really big LGBTQ friendly neighborhood and has lots of establishments run by members of the community, including the Abbey and that kind of thing? Is that why you picked West Hollywood? No, <laughs> no? <laughs> I did not want to move here, actually. Really? Yeah. It, it's not like I was like, oh, I don't want to move to West Hollywood. This wasn't planned in any regard. I needed to find a place and my roommate had a cat and it was it's literally like twice what I was paying. And I just I definitely wanted to stay in this area. Like I didn't want to go west of the 405 and I didn't want to go onto the other side of downtown L.A., but it like happened very quickly in like a rush. So it wasn't intentional. But because I'm not, I'm almost not in West Hollywood, which is great because I'm not too close to the club scenes. It honestly, though, it's so nice. Like I go to like CVS, I'm like, look at all these random gay people. Like it's, it's really nice. It doesn't <laughs> feel like you're the token anymore. So I will say yeah. that really was a benefit, but moving here was kind of an accident. To give people a little bit of a reference of where your apartment is, uh, Yasmin's apartment is very close to the Sunset Strip, which is <laughs> mm-hmm. like a pretty iconic area. So it's definitely a cool spot. It's not like a way in the, in no. the like suburbs or anything like that. It's, yeah. a, it's a neat like central LA kind of location. I think you really lucked out on that spot. I think I did too. Yeah. It it's mostly was the price. I was trying to stay cheaper. I had such a steal when I first moved to LA. So I really love the area. I love I have so many friends who live walking distance from me or only a few minute drive. Like honestly, it was like a great change and just a much healthier roommate dynamic. And so I will say I really was like, I'm either living alone or I'm connecting through somebody. I don't know who designed studio apartments in LA. They are just the most bizarre layout ever. The roof will be at such a low angle, you can't access like a third of the apartment. And so I put out feelers because I really didn't want to live with a complete stranger. But the funny thing is, is that the guy I got recommended to first, the girl who I got recommended to to sublet, were both awful. And my current roommate, I met through an app called Roomster and I love him. Like, so great. It's so funny how that can happen. One of my best roommates I ever had back when Craigslist was, you know, slightly safer. I randomly just found on Craigslist. She liked the TV show Lost and had a TiVo. <laughs> and I was like, done. We're moving in together. This And yeah, she's still one of my friends today. So you just yeah. never know in these kind of scenarios. It is. Like, of course, if you're looking for a new, new roommate and stuff, you should be safe. And, you know, but... Yeah. I think also if you are struggling and get scared to find a new roommate and you don't know them, like, go off their vibe. Like, you probably have a better idea of what a good person is for you to live with than somebody you're asking to connect. Mm -hmm. Because I, like, sent three text messages back and forth with my roommate. And I'm like – because I told him I was looking at other prices. But even he knew, like, it was going to work out. He didn't even ask, like, look into anybody else because he knew from, like, the moment we texted. (laughs) So – That can be as important as a dating app, really, is, like, (laughs) living with someone. And how long have you guys lived there? I was at my first place for 11 months. I moved out, like, right before I hit a year. So it's been a a while. He's been here for, like, six or seven years in this place, I think. Yeah, it's good. I really like it. Like Natalia said, it's a really great area, and it's central to driving to stuff, which is huge. And you live close enough to cat sit for me when you go out of town. (laughs) (laughs) I do. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, we've got all cat people on the on the podcast today. <laughs> That's true. It's a cat community. I was gonna say we're a big fan of your your roommate's cat Timber. Mm-hmm. He makes appearances every every Zoom distance movie night. We're always excited to see him. So yeah, you can find him on instagram at days of timber i'm really bad at <laughs> i'm really bad at keeping up with the account because i was like i'm Wait. gonna do this and like <laughs> you made the instagram account for your roommate's cat yes my roommate doesn't even like use his own instagram <laughs> what was something like you've talked about a lot of things that have really surprised you about la like it not being not everywhere being as gross and as dirty as it could be and living closer to West Hollywood not being as intense as you could have previously thought. But are there other things about L.A. that really surprised you? Like you were not expecting this. And now that you've lived here, you've had a chance to be like, oh, I didn't know this was going to be part of my L.A. experience. Yeah. So I think the thing that surprised me the most, and it actually took like months for me to like emotionally work through with like friends going through the same thing is how much the industry, the film industry, the attitude and culture seep into everyday relationships. And I think that could be yeah. extended into social media people because, like, definitely, you know, YouTubers are big in the lesbian community. So I saw some of it as well. Not as extensive. But to me, there's this concept, like, my friend and I came up with the term Hollywood friends, <laughs> where you have friends that, you will work on projects with. You know, you can call them up and be like, do you want to work on this? But you would mm-hmm. never grab a cup of coffee to, um, yeah. you know, catch up. Like, I can even think of people from college who they're like, hey, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm down to help. And mm-hmm. I know they would help me if I asked. I think what gets hard is when you don't know who's a friend and who's a Hollywood friend. Mm. That's so right. And it's really heartbreaking, like, finding out that you're not really friends with somebody. I think it's probably Mm -hmm. almost as bad, if not worse, than, like, a breakup. Yeah. Because, I I mean, I literally had somebody, like, pick me up in the middle of the night because my car got towed. I thought they were a friend. But I found out – I don't really blame this person as much. They lived in their car when they first moved to L.A. for, like, a year. So I get that their Mm -hmm. hustle game is intense. But I also didn't realize it's like they just jump – oh, this person's producing and making bigger things. This person's doing better Mm -hmm. things. And I didn't, it never even crossed my mind that that would seep into a personal friendship where, because like you kind of hear a little bit about that where people like kiss ass and try to be your friend Mm -hmm. to get something out of you. But it's really weird when you've actually thought you've developed a genuine connection with somebody and friend, like Mm -hmm. friendship, only to find out that, they just don't have time for you and they don't really care because they now have a bigger hook into the industry. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I feel that way with dating. And this that can mm-hmm. be without people who I try not to date people in the industry personally, especially like other actors like now. Um, <laughs> but Natalia, I don't know how you do it. No, I know. Um, Natalia yeah. and I have talked about this like actually not that long Yeah, ago. we talked about this just the other day. <laughs> that's so funny. But I feel like that's in dating in the sense of like, oh, I'll just wait till something better comes along or I'll put someone on hold or I think something better can come or I'll just kind of use this person until mm. someone else comes along. And like, it's a weird thing because like in Orange County, I think I stayed in the relationship I was because I was like, well, I'm not going to meet another lesbian. But in mm. L.A. now, there's so many where I'm like, 
they they have so many options at the tip of their fingers, and it's, it, which is great. You swipe while you said that. I did. I was. For those of you that can't see, I held up my hand and gestured against. But yeah, so I think that was the most surprising thing is that it it wasn't that people were fake, like they say in L.A., is that people maybe very unconsciously trick you to get something out of you. Yeah. And I think the emotional trickery was not something I was prepared for. Yeah, that's really devastating, too. Like you said, um, we've brought this up. It's already come up with our previous guests, too. It's a common theme of establishing friendships and trying to navigate what are genuine and what are people potentially using you for. Like, sometimes it's just self-preservation. Like, people don't necessarily want to feel like they're going to be a victim, so they may not want to accept your friendship or you can't even really tell it's so complicated. Yeah. I, I mean, it's hard because you don't know what people have given up to get here. Like, I know someone who's yeah. Asian and decided to pursue film and their parents didn't talk to them for a year. Like, he ended up wow. having to reach out and be like, this is our lives. Like, what are we doing? And people living out of their car or like, I know I've known people who have rented out living rooms. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, there's a thing where it's like when – and, like, Natalia and I have talked about this. There is an emotional struggle with being an actor where, like, it's a very, 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 very hard career. The chances mm. of making it are astronomically low. And, like, the amount you have to book to actually support yourself off acting – and this isn't to discourage anyone who's an actor, but it's not realistic. And honestly, it's something I wish mm -hmm. that people talked about in college where it's like, hey, an amazing year. If you booked a TV spot every single year on like a network TV show, you still can't support yourself in L.A. Like if you did it every month. Yeah. And so I wish I was more prepared to find like a, a I don't want to like knock bartending as a support job because I think a lot of people love it. I actually do enjoy it. I don't hate it. I think things changed after I broke my leg and with the pandemic, that industry has shifted mm -hmm. a lot. The things that people give up to pursue what they're pursuing is very difficult. And I, I, I have to remind myself of the Brene Brown quote mm -hmm. where she talks about the definition of sacrifice. It means to make something sacred. And mm -hmm. so that's kind of what we're doing in this industry. But instead of everyone's a little fucked up, right? So depending mm -hmm. on <laughs> to what level and what way it comes out in a way that can really hurt other people without them knowing. And I think mm -hmm. that's really difficult when you do start to feel very desperate and depressed over your artistic career. And, you know, for anyone who's thinking about moving here because of an artistic career, like I I think the most important thing is you have to learn to find happiness from everything but your artistic career because it will yes. just influence your art and will make you a better artist. Mm -hmm. And you also won't go through all the seasons of depression, right? They say there's like mm, pilot yeah. season, episodic season, summer, and depression. <laughs> Those are the four seasons in L.A. <laughs> That's really good advice, though. I appreciate that. Like, I appreciate mm -hmm. you saying that, finding something else, because I know I've had conversations with people where they're like, no, this is my life. And I'm like, you're you're not going to make it mentally, man. Like, you got to mm -hmm. you have to have other things that you're living for because the so much is stacked yeah. up against you. I mean, it truly can't can't be alive. And the thing is, is like the amazing thing about being an actor specifically is we want to live a bunch of lives and we want to explore all this. Yes. And there's no reason why you can't incorporate that into your own life. Yeah, I love that. What What do you feel are the other things that you've been exploring? 
<sighs> That's a good question. Um, I mean, I actually, I just finished a digital marketing class and I actually found like, I really like marketing. I've always flirted with the idea of it. Um, and it really is giving me like a different perspective as a consumer as well, just with like, mm-hmm. you know, with things like the social dilemma coming out and just kind of yeah. how the relationship between audiences and or consumers are with companies or production companies. Because mm-hmm. I was thinking about this with something that came out recently, but it's like we want transparency and authenticity now from companies. And I think we want that from casting and productions and like all that now as well. So that's been really cool. Like Natalia said, I've been producing and editing a lot of my own stuff. I've been writing as well. That's something I, I want to spend more time with now that I'm back to being, you know, unemployed thanks to the Rona and my class mm-hmm. is over. So I think I've been just kind of exploring that. I've also decided I want to learn Farsi. It's a very difficult language. and I wish my dad taught me yeah. when I was a child. You know, I want to get back though. into the guitar and like I keep singing. I'm, I got back into martial arts. So it's just small things that I think are just kind of making me happy. And I don't know when it happened or why, to be honest, but I've just really had this mentality of like, you know what? I could have started learning Farsi back in March. I didn't. I'm going to learn now. And in a year, I'm going to know so much more Farsi than I do right now. And it's the same thing yeah. with working out, just anything where I'm like, well, if I start now, imagine where I'll be in a year. So stereotypes that you heard about L.A., what what were some that you heard before moving here that was like, well, this is what L.A. is and this is, you know, stereotypical? So the first thing that comes to mind is the Jewish population, it, because we don't we don't have Jewish people in Orange County. Like, I'm sure we do. I was I was always friends with one Jewish kid. Like, oh, like mm-hmm. always. We must have had more in Irvine. You must have because we I from my in my uh-huh. area, we didn't really have any. And, you know, seeing because like my aunt is Jewish and like she could never find Hanukkah cards at the CVS near us. And like the CVS here, there's like, <laughs> yeah, or stamps like that poor woman. And when mm-hmm. I first moved to, I am like saw all these Orthodox Jewish people. And honestly, it made me so happy to like see this type of diversity, like what I would consider diverse from Orange County, which is insane. And I think I would see that and it was something I would notice and I'm mixed. So it's funny. I think maybe that's why I liked it, but I would see friends of multiple ethnicities together. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I love this. Because mm-hmm. when I the class I was first coming up to in Santa Monica was pretty white. And I was just went through mm-hmm. Catholic high school, which was very white, very different from my very Hispanic junior high. And so I guess I always, like, heard that there was going to be, like, more diversity. And, like, there is. And it's so, like, amazing to find so many different types of people in, like, one area, especially, like, my current acting class. You know, obviously when we could be in the studio. There's just Mm -hmm. so many different – I'm sure it's so confusing to people. Like, as I'll be outside talking with a guy who looks like he's been arrested ten times for attempted murder and is part of a biker gang. (laughs) sweetest such a sweet guy and i think that's something that was like a stereotype and i don't even know if like people thought that was a good thing in orange county my home wouldn't look down on that as a bad thing but i remember i i had i and i also kind of thought it was a little insane because i like had a bunch of jewish friends up here and i was telling them i'm like i've never seen so many jews at together at once like that is literally how homogenous my area of Orange County was. I happened to move right next to like a very affluent Jewish Persian area. Ironically, I found my Persians. 
That was my experience, too, as far as moving from the Pacific Northwest, particularly in a suburban area. Like, uh, it's those things that you don't necessarily... Well, I didn't hear about it or I didn't necessarily think about it, but I just kind of assumed most Jewish people lived in New York City. I didn't know there was a really huge population of, like, the Jewish community here in Los Angeles. So actually seeing it and being around, and like you said... Being able to see people hanging from all different backgrounds without with each other, kind of like a college's pamphlet dream diversity, you know. <laughs> I was thinking a Target commercial. <laughs> there you go. Target commercial works, too. It's kind of amazing that it really does exist here. Like, there's definitely pockets that have more of one community than the other. I was looking forward to being within a diverse community because I was. St- it was starting to become really obvious to me as protests were happening more and more in Portland, how much of my entire experience had been whitewashed by my own people because I am white. You know, it's just L.A. is a really even more fascinating melting pot than I had imagined. And that is to say, like, I mean, Orange County is diverse to a degree, like growing up in California generally, like compared to the Midwest, So I can't even imagine what it's like to come from, like, Nebraska to, like, L.A. That must be, Mm -hmm. like, such a culture shock. Especially, like, politically. (laughs) My my whole family were Democrats. So growing up in Orange County was, like, a sea of Republicans. Because everybody thinks that all California is really liberal because we go blue during the election. Because most people live, like, in San Francisco area and, like, Mm -hmm. L.A. It's very conservative, um... It's not as, like, super socially conservative. It it is, but it's not like I felt in physical danger. I would be afraid of bad looks and, like, being looked at weird, but I was never afraid for my safety as, like, an openly queer person in Orange County. I think that's Mm -hmm. starting to change slightly. I think I noticed around 2016, 17, things were changing a little bit. Have Mm -hmm. you ever felt unsafe in Los Angeles? (laughs) <laughs> Not for being gay, <laughs> for coming yeah. from like white privilege. Yes, I felt uncomfortable sometimes, but um, <laughs> I've never, as like a gay person, I've never felt unsafe. And it could just be the areas of LA I'm in, but I have never felt unsafe for wearing a suit. Orange mm-hmm. County, I felt uncomfortable, definitely, like emotionally. Has even like in LA, like I love driving and just seeing like, a male assigned at birth person walking around in like a crop top, like makeup. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yes, just work it. Like you wouldn't like yeah. you never see that in Orange County. Like I think someone uh, a male assigned at birth person would probably would probably fear for their safety more in Orange County than me. Mm-hmm. Kind of the yeah masculine privilege because of the the patriarchy making femininity the weaker gender. There's like mm-hmm. yeah. some privilege in being a female assigned at birth is masculine versus mm-hmm. the other way. What stereotypes about L.A. that you had heard felt true to you? Like you got here and you were like, oh, yeah, that's actually accurate. Or were there any's that you were like, oh, they were totally way off? Accurate stereotypes. I mean, I feel like the industry is everywhere, which is really cool. I mean, like you drive by and there's like a film truck. You can probably within 20 minutes like drive by like a couple studios. So I think... I was resistant to the idea that moving here would help my career because I didn't want to move here. 
But Mm -hmm. I think it really does make a difference. The other stereotype I will say, like we talked about earlier, you hear a lot about how people are really fake in L.A. There's so many. I've met so many genuinely awesome people since moving here. And it's really cool because, like, uh, some of my friends are not at all involved in the industry, which is nice. Like, not everyone is here for it. I would say a lot of people are. I think a problem with, you know, anywhere you move If you don't meet the right people, it's going to paint your experience and it's going to make it crappy if you don't have like a good support system. And I don't necessarily think that that's different from any city or place you move to. Um, Where do you think you've made the best friends that you've made in Los Angeles? It really varies. I think I have really, really good friends who I met through my acting class. Uh, like different acting classes and I have like a really good friend who we met really briefly at like a club and was just like oh lesbians we know each other and then like we found each other on Bumble and connected for the sole purpose of being friends (laughs) you know so I think it's actually been like from every experience and pocket of LA like from my life I have like good friends from each i have not so great friends from each (laughs) where would you consider your must visit spots in los angeles if someone was just moving here for the first time if you're persian you need to go to this ice cream place called mashti malone's it's an ice cream place um in hollywood and i didn't really a friend took me, a white friend, and, like, I didn't really see it because they you know, have Malone with, like, the little, like, clover. And then I was like, oh, this is, a like, a, a rose-flavored, like, ice cream. Well, that's very person. And then I saw, like, a saffron. And I'm like, what is happening? And, like, it very, like, I just, like, and I saw a Farsi on the wall. I'm like, wait a second. And then I finally asked, and a Persian guy bought it, and they didn't totally change the name. So that was just, like, very fun. I would definitely... You know, if you want to explore, the one thing about L.A. that's really cool is there's a lot of nature. And I wasn't expecting to do more hiking in L.A. than I did in Orange County when I first moved here. I mean, the Griffith Observatory is beautiful. I would really suggest checking out, like, Venice. I feel like there's a lot of culture there, a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This, I think it's called Malibu Creek. There's, like, a really cool hike that if you go up north— like, and you can hike, and there's, like, a big, like, pond area that people go swimming in. That was really oh, that's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. And, then like, I know it's cheesy. I would just, like, recommend doing a studio tour, too. I think it's cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I always recommended that to people yeah. who came on my tours. I'm like, you have to. Yeah. I mean, especially if you come here for the industry, you might as well go check it out. I do want to do the thing where you, like, ride horses up to the – hollywood sign like i think that would be so cool Mm, that does look really fun my big la exploring thing actually did happen when i broke my leg and i just decided to try to find the best chai latte in la because i couldn't go out to bars (laughs) and clubs so i kept it i invited Mm. people out to cafes and i think the the bourgeois pig i think might have the best one yeah and it's like a really cool place that's where you and i met up and that's why you told me to go there because you specifically said yeah they have the best chai latte in all of la (laughs) and i was like oh you know we were talking about the neighborhood 
or like just the gay community earlier, you know, Gold Coast and Flaming Saddles were two iconic LGBT bars that have shut down. Hopefully it will be a chance for the community to come back in a stronger way. The West Hollywood community is very white. It is very, the like I will say if you're from the Seattle area or San Francisco, probably New York, I can't attest to that because I have not been the queer community is going to be very different because, once again, it has the influence of L.A. Mm-hmm. Everyone is so stylish, like, in absurdly stylish to the point of entering, like, heteronormativity. You know what I mean? Where it's just like <laughs> – like, when I went to San Francisco Pride last year, you know, the go-go dancers, some were masculine. You know, one of them looked like they – I don't think they had top surgery, like – I think they might have had, like, a breast cancer-related thing because they weren't even. And they were out there just shaking it. Like, so much fun. Mm -hmm. Everyone loved them. And you go to, you know, West Hollywood and on Girls' Night, yeah, they have female go-go dancers. Like, the one night of the week that they aren't male. All very, 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 like, stereotypical LA, this is what a feminine woman looks like to try to be attractive and stuff. And Mm -hmm. I think... There isn't – it's just, like, you can feel it, especially in the, the gay community. There's that, like, influencer thing that happens. People go mm-hmm. out to clubs looking how they would dress for an Instagram photo, which is, like, how nobody should go out dress. You know, it's just kind of one of those <laughs> things where it's, like, it's just not, like, a casual, like, hey, let's just grab drinks at a bar. And that's something I wish yeah. the gay community had out here. Like, we went to this bar in San Francisco, and I could actually hear people – and we could have a conversation. Yeah. And, like, you can't do that in West Hollywood. So it's, as much as it really sucks that you have these iconic places closing and Gold Coast was more of a dive bar and then uh, Flaming Styles was a country-themed bar, it would be, like, fabulous to see a Black-owned establishment come up or yeah. have a place that's, like, we also have book clubs, like, weekends and, like, there's such a lack of diversity like if you and this is something my web series kind of focuses on one of the characters he's like a gay christian and like he's out he's proud it's like not one of those things Mm -hmm. but his what he wants as a person doesn't fit into meeting people because like if you are not into the party scene which a lot of us aren't like i can go out and have a good time but it's not something i want to do all the time i don't even really miss it in the pandemic and I'm not judging people who do. That's just personality-wise isn't me. You're not going to meet people. Like, we have apps now, which is good. But, like, that's what people do is you go out, you get drunk, and spend way too much money on, like, very shitty drinks. And you pretend you can hear people because the music is so loud. You literally can't have a conversation. That is the gay culture in L.A. Until you find a group of people where you can just go out and do, like, regular stuff. Which is really, it's honestly frustrating. So, I mean, the only thing we can with the pandemic is hope that something better is going to come out of everything. So I'm hoping that, you know, we'll have establishments that offer more variety and feel Mm -hmm. like a safe space for everybody in the community. If you had any advice uh, to give a young queer person who is planning to move to Los Angeles, what advice would you give them? My advice would be two things. One, 
get on dating apps to try to meet people and don't take it personally if it turns into like take advantage of that i don't know if gay Mm -hmm. men can do it but there's opportunities to get involved do it because it's really awesome like even if you don't want to go out on that night to the gay club just go for a couple hours there's also the lgbt center which has a bunch of groups i haven't Mm -hmm. had i've only been to a couple just it's hard when you bartend just your schedule doesn't fit anything and i would just say like be cautious you find a group of people and you immediately like have all this in common because you're gay treat it like any other friendship where you wait to get to know somebody before you decide your best friends Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean people are going to turn on you with their secrets and like it's not high school, but there's some people who kind of act like they're in high school because when people come mm-hmm. out later in life, that's kind of what happens. So my thing is like put yourself out there as much as possible and meet people and just know that you'll probably like for the 30, 40 people you'll meet and you'll be friendly with, if you get five good friends out of it, that's a high number. And I think Mm-hmm. We as people have to like, as a society, have to like kind of adjust our perspective of what it means to be quote unquote popular or have friends or what doesn't mean to be a yeah. good friend. Because you could be somebody mm-hmm. who does love to go out and party constantly. That's fine. Yeah. Um, just know that you're going to meet even more people that way. And if you really want to get to an insight on the dating experience, I, I have a podcast I've neglected called 50 First Ghosts. And I go through my first <laughs> experience of dating here and how difficult it is because you are going to go from like no options to all of the options. And I think sometimes, especially with lesbians, I've noticed you meet somebody, you have one good date and suddenly you're in a relationship. That's mm-hmm. not healthy. That is not how things mm-hmm. are supposed to run. Lesbian speed is really rooted in misogyny and like sexism. That's like, there's a psychologist that has a whole book dedicated to it. And it's just like, enjoy yourself. Figure out who you are in this new city, who you want to be. You know, I I feel like I got gayer and gayer every year I moved to L.A. And Natalia mm-hmm. can tell you I was really gay in high, like college, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but coming here, I... I felt so safe to just explore my gender identity and to figure out who Mm -hmm. I am. And your labels are allowed to change. You're allowed to identify with different pronouns. You're allowed to dress however you want if it changes day to day. And I think online, the community really likes to box people. But I think in person, people are a lot more chill. So don't feel Mm -hmm. like you have to be this person in this relationship. It's an opportunity really to just discover who you are and what you want. And along the way, you'll meet people who aren't great and you'll meet people who are amazing. And I think you just need to be prepared for both and not just jump in the deep end as soon as something feels like it's working out. Because the truth is in L.A., if something feels like it's working out, there's a good chance it's not. It's a good warning, though. If it's too good to be true, it probably is. And that can apply in a lot of different aspects. But I think that's a lot of really good advice as far as it would have been nice to have told yourself, you know, three years ago, like, look, this is how it's going to go. Here are the points that you should know. Yeah, because yeah. I feel like I walked into a lot of unnecessary drama that somehow accidentally I would be like around or involved in like I had friends luckily I could talk to and I was like, what the hell is happening? Like I'm not in high school anymore. And I think there was mm-hmm. a lot of unnecessary emotional stress on me. And I think that's because 
it's the same with dating. It's like, oh my gosh, I finally found gay people. Well, this is it. Luckily in LA, there is an endless supply of gay people. <laughs> endless supply. <laughs> like, there's a lot of gay people you can find to build healthy, sustainable relationships. And I'm a big, big advocate to saying no. Lesbian speed is not healthy. No, it is not normal for you to ask about my ex on the first date. No, it's not normal <laughs> to spend every single day with someone when you just meet them in a row for a month. That's all normal in like lesbian dating, and I don't think it should be. And I think it can be similar with friendships, too. It's it, it's literally like anything, professional, romantic, friendship, gay, straight. It, like, it doesn't matter. It takes time to get to know a person, especially when you're in a city that's very fickle and can have ulterior motives it's just and i'm not saying don't be open it's just like mm-hmm. they're like Brene brown i just highly recommend her oh mm-hmm. yeah i could sing her praises all day long i love Brene brown <laughs> she's amazing we talk about she talks about me and her you know over coffee we talk about it <laughs> over the best chai latte in la the best chai latte damn it she talks about vulnerability and mm-hmm. she also talks about what vulnerability is not and oversharing is not vulnerability because you have no mm. basis for a relationship and an emotional relationship to act, have that oversharing. It's usually a cry for help and it's other things. And I feel like that is a part of queer relationships. And it's because mm. you might meet a stranger and they're the first person who understands the hardest thing in your life. And that's that's really amazing and powerful. But I think it also creates like a false sense of like connection because I don't have mm. anyone else I can talk to about being in the closet or I don't have anyone else to talk to about what it's like being closeted at work or my gender identity. I find a random person and you think you're friends mm-hmm. and you connect and then it turns out you don't know anything about this person. And I'm not saying they're mm-hmm. like a serial killer, but it just turns out like maybe they're not a good fit for you as a human. Yeah. yeah. I think I can definitely relate to that. And I feel like because it can be so hard to make friends in Los Angeles and you might feel like you're a kindred spirit with someone and you want to just like feel this closeness so quickly, you might like let people in a little too fast when they're not really wanting to be around you for the right reasons. Yeah. Agreed. Definitely. I've I've even had the literal experience of someone being like, okay, we're best friends now. Like they told me after I moved here and I was like, Okay, and they became possessive and weird about me hanging out with another mutual person that we knew. And I was mm-hmm. like, I did not, I don't understand what's happening. But like you said, it's people being in really vulnerable positions, particularly if they're like queer and moving from a less supportive situation into Los Angeles. You're like, mm-hmm. suddenly I have the most fundamental part of myself in common with like all these people. And then you got to protect your heart a little bit just to make sure that you are finding quality people deserving of your friendship. On that note, I will say that like the therapists in LA are great, (laughs) you know, like Mm -hmm. I I remember I had like a therapist in Orange County. I literally had to explain the difference between sexual attraction and romantic attraction. I was like, you don't know anything about LGBT (laughs) things. Like why are we? Yeah. I was like, why are we talking? So I think, you know, if anyone also has had a bad experience from that perspective in a different state, mm-hmm. like, it's a different world out here. It really is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's been a gay hub since, the like, the 20s. 
Um, mm-hmm. If anybody's interested in moving into like LA who's queer, I really recommend getting the book Gay LA. And mm-hmm. it's a queer history of Southern California, but then circles in specifically to LA. And it's so fascinating about, you know, because Stonewall, I think a lot of people think that's when the civil rights movement happened. It didn't. It's that's it like ignited it and brought it on the map. It's still a very important event. But the civil rights movement's been going on since the 50s and earlier. So I think that's something I would really recommend if you want to move here. It's it's such a cool book. I got it from a library. So I'm sure you could get it online that's for great. reasonable price. That's awesome. All of this has been such amazing information and you've provided such a awesome personal resource for all sorts of people, you know, whatever background that they come from. It's really nice to hear someone else's experience, especially someone of a marginalized community that can be really terrified to move to like one of the biggest cities in the world, you know, it's, it's really intimidating. So thank you, Yasmin, so much for sharing all of that with us. We really appreciate you being here. Is there uh, anywhere people can find you on social media or anything you want to plug? Oh, sure. I'm my name basically on all social media, like Instagram, TikTok. I don't use Twitter, but you're welcome to follow me there. It's just Yasmin Gasiri, Y-A-S-M-I-N-G-H-A-S-I-R-I. I also have a web series, the one I mentioned. If It's called Their Story. It follows three roommates, non-binary lesbian, um, a gay Christian man, and a bisexual woman. And we cast everything like the leads right before the pandemic hit, and we were going to do a crowdfunding video that did not happen. So we've been doing mini-sodes, and we're actually really close to posting all of them. So it's called Their Story TV. You can follow it on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok even. We have some stuff there. And it specifically looks at the struggles of being queer in the yeah, well in the gay community of LA. But it's like it's not necessarily as much of a community as you think it is, which is not necessarily a bad thing. But it's being prepared for it, so that's what the show will when we really make it, you know, becomes a thing. And of course, follow my roommate's cat at Days of Timber <laughs> on Instagram. Oh, he's so handsome. He's so pretty and fluffy. Well, that's great. That's even awesome that you have like a web series that's even a continued resource, an entertaining resource to help, uh, you know, kind of understand the culture of being queer in L.A. Yeah. And it's so interesting because we actually interviewed people from different like who were bisexual, who were Christian, who were of color to really fold in a lot of the real stories of what it's like being um, part of the queer community in L.A. So... (laughs) follow, support, like, share. And yeah, and you know, thank you guys for having me. I That's think this awesome. is a really awesome idea. There's a lot of stuff Yay. I have wish I had known before moving to LA myself. So I think it's really, really cool you guys are doing this. Oh, well, thank, thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you listeners for listening once again to an episode of Angelinos in Training. We'll talk at you next time. Just a reminder, The content of this podcast is based on our own opinions and personal experiences and may not reflect the opinions and experiences of all Angelinos. Music by Leo Jackson. Artwork by Trevor D. Richardson. Edited by Kelsey Ryder. And additional research by me, Natalia Raymond. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Angelinos in Training and on Twitter at Angelinos Pod. Want us to cover a specific topic about LA? Email us at angelinosintraining at gmail.com.